Hi, everyone. We are the MMA Island Podcast, and we're here to talk to you about my bookie. Let's start with the NBA lock of the season. What is a lock? A lock, simply put, a bet you cannot lose. And with my bookie, you can't lose with the NBA lock of the season. When you bet on either team to score, whether that be the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets, this Friday, you win. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you know this is a sure bet. Place your bet, then you score, then you win. It's that easy. Wake up Saturday and throw down in UFC 267, ladies and gentlemen. This weekend, my bookie is giving away a $100 bet on the big light heavyweight title fight between Jan Blakovich and Glover Teixeira. You cannot miss this. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.ag and use our promo code MMAISLAND and get in on the NBA lock of the season. Again, the promo code is MMAISLAND. It is a lock. Get your season started off with a win. Thank us later. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder in my opinion, too. What is up, everybody? My name is Keelan McNamara, and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. But he couldn't even do that. And this is... The MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. And we have UFC 267 on the horizon. Oh, man, it's going to be phenomenal. And let's get started with the news. Today, we're talking about the PFL because that was on this past Wednesday. And it was really fun. We got to see all six new champions win the million dollars. So let's talk about what we like about the PFL and what we think could improve in the PFL. Hunter, starting with you. I like how it's a grand prize. I really do. I think that is one of the best way to to attract viewers is when you have a grand prize, something you're working towards. I mean, the belt is always great, like the UFC belt, but a grand prize of a million dollars, just it rings. It rings. It makes viewers want to watch. But what I don't like about the PFL is I don't think they have enough big names like they have Anthony Pettis they have Rory McDonald and I think they have Clarissa Shields and those are the three biggest names on their 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 whole organization here which in all honesty I don't think are big enough names to attract many viewers so the best way to increase your viewership among these small organizations I feel is to get the bigger names out there and having them having those big names like maybe like a UFC ranked opponent right now if they were to give a, get a, a nice offer to PFL, they come fight, and you and we see a, a we see them lose. That makes me want to watch go watch PFL if they're beating UFC stars, you know. But if they're just signing people who got cut from the UFC who just aren't what they used to be, I don't really have an incentive to go see because I still don't think they're the best in the world unless they're in the UFC. So that's what I like about the PFL, but it's also what I don't like about the PFL. Yeah, it's hard to agree with what Hunter said there, guys. Um, There's a lot I love about it, I really do, and there's a lot that I'm not as big a fan of. So I'll start with the positives. One of my big things that I love about these season formats of the PFL is actually some of the new stars that we are starting to see. I have to admit, Ray Cooper III really is one of them that's standing out to me. I think he really is a star for the future. And... I think with the season system, you have less of the issues that we've talked about with the UFC before and mixing up non-ranked guys and ranked guys. You're getting all guys into a league, a bit like the Premier League in a way, 
and everybody faces everybody. And that's an issue that we've had for quite a long time. So I think PFL have really got that nailed down solidly. And I think they're doing a great job of that. Other positives I like that Hunter mentioned, and I really do agree with that. The grand prize is always great. Evokes memories of pride. It's a fantastic extra motivator for fighters too, to have a massive extra lump sum on top of a pretty good contract that they're getting already. So I'm a big fan of that. What am I not as big a fan of? Well, I think with the season system, if a fighter gets injured or a fighter gets injured quite severely, you're very inhibited upon that and you're very dependent upon that so if you have say Kayla Harrison for example not that I think she would but if she gets severely injured in the next season and she's perhaps not medically cleared for six months or even a year you're kind of snookered because then you're gonna have to start drafting in replacements to fight other fighters and that can kind of become a mess there on its own right so that's more um a possibility negative it's it's not really fair to put it as a negative right now because we haven't seen it much yet but i think that is one that could and will happen at some point in the future my other negative is very very similar to what hunter just mentioned there at in his last point and that's the names that are being used to build up these seasons I mean, look, I'm a huge Anthony Pettis fan. You guys know that. I'm a big Rory McDonald guy. The problem is they're signing these guys far too late and they're getting battered by the fighters in the PFL. These are the guys you're bringing in to enhance your reputation, not to feed them to the bottom of the table because then that just makes no sense. Um, I think PFL needs to do a better job of management and getting younger stars in earlier. I think... Getting them in with a big name like Anthony Pettis, like Rory McDonald, is a good idea. But I think they, uh, from what I've seen and what I've heard, they have the money to go out and make offers to people who are actually in their prime. So if I was PFL, that's definitely something that I would be exploring personally. And yeah, I got to admit, I have very few negatives to say about the season system because I am a fan of it. I think it's refreshing. I think it's reinvigorating. I think it brings something different for people to watch and for journalists like us to cover too. So on the whole, I'm a fan. Yeah. Hey, I really like what you guys said. And I, I agree with it. I mean, seasons is fun. It's it's different, which is a big thing. Everything's kind of similar uh, adopted by the UFC model. It, it, it's different. It almost has a, a tournament feel to it, which it does. It is a tournament at the end of it. Um, and, and I really like that. Obviously, the grand prize is fantastic. And and a whole, you know, in the day and age of fire pay issues and everything like that, that is a phenomenal incentive for people to come over to their organization. Um, and then I'll just touch on, it, it's very similar to what you guys said for the negatives. Just for homegrown talent, you have Ray Cooper the third, but you really don't have too many other people than that. I mean, you have... Antonio Carlos Jr. shoe face from the UFC who went out there and won the light heavyweight Grand Prix, which I think kind of shows you the level, not disrespecting anybody, but shows you the level of competition that they do have over there, which is the, the problem. And that's the problem with every other organization besides the UFC. Um, that's what we criticize them for is that they're getting UFC fighters over. Um, they, they come and now Rory McDonald, they, they get them past their prime. And, and, and it's just either they don't do very well because they, they shouldn't be fighting anymore or they come and they win the whole thing. Uh, and I think that's the big problem that it's just getting homegrown talent, making names from that. Or like Hunter said, which would be very difficult to do, but if anyone could do it, maybe the PFL could getting a fighter that is a contender to come over because of the million dollars. Then that's when you start getting the stuff rolling. Uh, 
kind of like what Bellator did with Gegard Mousasi. That was a very good move from them. And obviously it paid off. And we saw, look, he's the champion today. Uh, He is super dominant over there, even past his prime. Uh, And, you know, he got to show what his prime was like in Bellator. And that was great to see. So that's what the PFL needs to do. And then if they market it the right way, you get more fighters to come over. I think really emphasize the fighter pay thing and say the million dollar prize. That's their big marketing point. Um, But yeah, like you guys said, they're doing a lot of good things. It's just like, it's the same thing with every organization besides the UFC, getting the right talent in there and just knowing that, look, you're watching some fights and you just know that it's not the highest level compared to the UFC. Just the way you're watching the flow of it, everything, the intensity of the fight. If you could get that intensity up and get the high level of fighters in there, it could be a great organization. It is a great organization, but uh, lots of it's early too. Lots of room to improve for the PFL, and I love what they got going. Absolutely. So let's move on to the best of the best, and we're talking UFC 266 now or 267, and we're going to talk about um, because it is a free card and how ridiculous it is a free card. Before this fight happens this Saturday. What is the best non-pay-per-view event we can remember? Hunter, starting with you. So this was a tough one, boys, because honestly, when I look back at all the other cards before this and all the free ones, this is the best one. Oh, like, this, is, this is yeah. by far the best free pay-per-view card that we will be getting in the near future, you know, ever, <laughs> ever so yeah, far. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's amazing. So tune in. But um, my pick would have to be Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes. Wow, the okay. Best free card I think I've seen. You know, uh, I have the list up right here, just the fights that were on the card. They have Giga Chikadze versus Cub Swanson was on that card. They were the co-main event, which was an awesome knockout yeah. by Giga Chikadze or the TKO. Um, and then Sean Strickland was also on that card versus Jotko, which was also a fantastic fight. And we saw Marab Divshavali beat Cody Stanman, which was, you know, another just turning point. So, we got to see all these good fighters that we know today before they were really super famous. So that's why I really like this card. Yeah. I mean, look, this is by a country mile and then probably another one after that, the best free card we've ever seen. and very, very possibly the best free card we ever will see. So people just don't miss this. I don't, I don't care what you have to do. Make sure you're watching this fight because this is special right here. I'm just going to say that straight from the beginning. Yeah, Hunter's got this nailed down. Again, no real surprise. This was so hard to pick because it is very, very difficult. You know, free cards are good, but very rarely are they ever great. Yeah. And my pick is actually, I actually do have a pick for this. And it's the fight that is one of the most controversial that we've ever had in this podcast in terms of who we think won. And that's Corey Sanhagen, TJ wow, Dillashaw, okay. UFC okay. and ESPN. You know, I mean, that is statistically on Verdict MMA, the closest fight they've ever had on that platform. That tells you how good this fight was. I mean, you guys know my opinion on it. I know your opinion on it. That's for another day and another time. But the card itself was still really, really good. Raleigh on Paivia against Kyler Phillips. I still think Kyler Phillips won that fight. How Paivia got a decision is forever beyond me. Darren Elkins defeated Dark Minner, or yeah, Dark Minner there. No one thought Elkins would win. 
Typical Darren Elkins came out and bloodied him in the second round and won. Adrian Yanez, Randy Costa, very slept on fight. That opened the card. So that really set the tone for it all the way out. That was an amazing fight at Bantamweight. So, look, it's very hard to say there's a wrong choice here because we're dealing with very slim pickings when it comes to free cards. There's just no way around that. But for my money, the best free card that we've had up until tomorrow, whenever you're watching this, is Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw, UFC on ESPN. Wow. Okay. Those are some very interesting picks. Very recent. I like it. So I, for me, this was between two things. And these weren't even fight nights, actually. These were uh, just free cards. So I went between uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. That's a good one. For ESPN Plus, because that was a title fight. But I went with, and I think this is my, my pick for sure, um, it was for the heavyweight championship of the world. Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos won. was wow. a free card on Fox. I think that they has to be. That was the first fight on Fox. I think that has to be uh, the best free card of all time. I mean, it's the heavyweight championship of the world. Cain Velasquez upset by Junior Dos Santos. First round knockout. Shocks the world. It was free somehow. Advertising to get on Fox is why they did it. Uh, and, and it was just, I mean, it was the fight was incredible. Uh, it's a legendary moment in the UFC's history. The the obviously the culmination of hard work for Junior Dos Santos, and it set up the first major heavyweight trilogy title fights uh, in, in the UFC. Uh, and we got to see you know Prime Kane Velasquez come out of those fights, become a better fighter because of Junior Dos Santos. And this is the fight that kicked it off. Uh, it was it was a perfect. It was a great night of fights overall and everything too. But just having the heavyweight championship of the world, Kane Velasquez headlining as a free card. For me, that's I think that's the best free card of all time. You know what? I'm gonna have to agree. I didn't know that was free. Yeah. So now that I'm I know it's free, <laughs> I agree. Way back. Yeah. 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 That's a great pick, Jack. And to be honest with you, I'm not even mad at agreeing with that. I, I think Sam Hagen Dillashaw stands on its own merits, but the fact that that was De Santos and Velasquez. I'm going to throw my weight behind that just because it was the first fight in Fox. It was Velasquez and DeSantos. I think that's a very good second, and Hunters is a very good third, but I'll throw my weight behind yours as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hunter didn't like the third. There's something you said there. You almost (laughs) had it right. You you were really close. Oh, no. Jax is – sure, I'll I'll, I'll give it to him, (laughs) number one. But I'm number two. Come on. My fight was way better. Yuri Prohaska, Dominic Reyes – that is the craziest knockout of the entire year. Of the I entire don't year. I with that. The closest fight ever. Makes it. What? Closest fight there's <laughs> ever been statistically. Sure, but I mean, TJ won. Sam Hagen won, by the T- way. TJ won. It doesn't really matter. TJ won. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. You know, we'll let the fans, you know, comment down below. Who Let's do know, a poll. Better pick. Let's Which do one's a two? poll Which one's after three? We'll have the fans decide it. Simple as that. I like it. I like it. Well. Hold up. There's another card um, that I wanted to shout out. Now, that was an insane knockout, by the way. I mean, I love Yuri Prohaska. I am out of that. And to give it to you, Keelan, you know, a little bit back, it was a good fight. It was a really good fight. Don't get you me wrong. You gave me a six out of ten. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It was a great fucking, great, great fight. Great fight. <laughs> Very good fight. Yeah. Uh, okay, so another card I want to shout out real quick, too, which I think is above both of these, all right. I'm making that big statement. By the oh. way, first off, I'm really happy I won you over to my side with this. That's that's a that's a very uh, 
doesn't no, happen much, Jack. But I it know it, it happened. I got. I got to does not often work on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so here's another fight night, which I think trumps both of those that you guys were arguing over. All right, I think that I think that puts him in another realm as well. This one was uh, Travis Brown versus Fabricio Verdum, which the winner was going to get the hold up wait just wait the the winner of this fight i know i know i know hold up just wait the winner of this fight at the time the winner of the, <laughs> the winner of this fight was going to get the title shot this is the fight where fabrizio verdum won then the next fight fought cain velasquez and beat him and became the champion so these guys are number one number two contenders in the at this time period in the ufc right the second the co-main event on this card was misha tate versus liz carmouche the winner of that one again was going to get ronda rousey next so two title eliminator fights. The third fight on this card, this fight night card, was Cowboy Cerrone versus Edson Barbosa, which is my big ticket item. So you have those three th- those three fights overall as a card. I think that is a very good fight night as well. Another another great free night of fights. It's good. It's good, but it's not better than Keelan and ours. No, I I'm going to bet you could have made us agree on something. Yeah, Keelan, we Come agree. On. That's just not better. It's just Jack, come on. It's I push, I push my luck breaking things down like that. I can do that right now. You know what? Oh, my God. Yuri Prohaska, his next fight after this one is a title fight. Fair it's enough. The best. Fair enough. Kotsuka, he knocked out Katsonto with a leg kick or with the, with the body shot. TKO, one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see, and then called out Max Holloway for a fight. And after this, goes on to fight the best kickboxer of all time of Edson Barboza. Look, all I'm saying, Brian, put everything down under a microscope, you'll find something. Look, Liz Carmouche. I, 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 <laughs> look, I, okay, Cowboy Cerrone versus Edson Barbosa is my big ticket item on that fight. Okay. Right. Right. It is a good fight. I should have led with that, right? I should have led with that and then said the other fights. But, um, hey, I pushed my love with that. Hey, let's move on to the pick of the night for UFC 267. We're so excited. We've been talking about it. We've been thinking about it all week. Let's start with our Bet of the night brought to you by my bookie. Uh, let's start with our bet of the night. So the best odds overall on the card. Then we'll pick the co-main event and lead off with the main event of the evening. So Hunter, what is your bet of the night for the 267 card? All right, guys. So if you look at the odds and the numbers right now, you'll see very heavy favorites for a lot of these different fighters yeah. in the main card. And honestly, I would not trust it. I would not trust it because there are so many different little idiosyncrasies that go into each and one of these fights there's one fight on here in which the favorite i feel like has a really good chance of winning and that is alexander volkov i think alexander volkov should be your pick of the night for a few different reasons he is the one of the highest ranked heavyweights right now he is one of the biggest guys in the ufc and he holds a lot of different power and yes he's coming off a loss but he's coming off a loss to the interim champion i mean that is a loss that is somewhat acceptable at this point and marston tybora I just don't see him beating Alexander Volkov in any facets of the game. So I feel like right now the safest bet bet of the night is with Alexander Volkov and what the boss says goes. Ooh. Ooh. Using his nickname? Nice. He needs to get his streak back. He's on a a uh, two-fight losing streak right now. He's got to get it back. I like it. I like it. Dumb. Um... Yeah, if we're talking the safest bet of the night, I think Volkov's a pretty yeah. safe bet. Um, for the reasons Hunter's mentioned, really, there's no point elaborating on them. I think it's a very good idea. If you're looking at, in my opinion, 
the risky bet to potentially make money on. And let's remember, I did get this right the last time we did this. I just can't remember who it was with. I'm actually going to say the bet of my boy, Corey Sanhagen, because he's plus 170 right now. I think there's a really good odds. And in our next segment, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to tell you why. I like it. Hey, I like it. Of course, you have to go with Sanhagen. We got to get our Sanhagen pure young content in, and that's going to be a phenomenal segment coming up. So uh, let's go with this. My pick of the night, the bet of the night for me. Uh, obviously, I have to go against other, although I love that. That is definitely the safe uh, bet of the night. If you if you are looking to make money on close odds, I think that's definitely the way to go. For me, I'm going to go with a big underdog here. Uh, but in a fight that I don't think the odds should be as big as they are. And that is going to be Li Jingliang, the leech against Hazmat Chimaev. Now, am I picking Li to win? Not necessarily. I actually am favoring uh, Hazmat by a little bit, but I think the odds are ridiculous for this fight. It's it. Last time I checked on my bookie, it was minus 510 for Hazmat Chimaev to win, plus 395 for Li Jingliang. Those odds are way too far apart. Yeah. The guy has knockout power. His last fight, he knocked Santiago Ponzinibbio out cold. And he's been on a great win streak before that as well. He had lost in between. He's a legit contender. He's had fights that he's, he's had to prove against legit contenders before. This is the fight for Hasmat Jumayev where he's going to prove if he's legit or not against the top contender. And it's coming after the full layoff, after the COVID incident and everything. There's too many unknowns for Hasmat Jumayev. The odds are way too far apart. If you're looking to make a risky bet on an underdog, this is the way to go because I think this fight really should not be this far apart. I think the odds are a, a lie as far as how this fight will go. And this guy, Lee Jin Leung, the leech, could finish anyone and absolutely could shock the world and beat Hasmat Jumayev. That's my pick of the night right there. That is a great pick. That is a great pick. I have to admit, you know, Li Jing Leong, I mean, that guy right there, Dana, it's Dana White's worst nightmare. You don't know why? Because he is the contender killer. Yeah. He is the contender killer right now. I mean, everyone that thinks there's something in the welterweight division doesn't get to the ranked spots until they beat the leech. And if you can beat the leech, you're actually a, you're a contender. You know, you're, you're a great fighter and you should be happy for yourself. If you could beat the leech. If you can't, You've just proven to everyone in the world you are not good enough. Kamza Chimaev, on the other hand, though, I think he's good enough. But that's, yeah, we'll that's see what neither happens. here nor there, right? Yeah. So uh, I believe right now it is uh, the main event picks of the night, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So just before I'm we start off with – should I start off with Bantamweight? Oh, Keelan. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no worries, man. Um, I'm just just on a little note in here before we get on to the main event picks – Jack, the odds have actually gone up for Chimaev. Wow. Kamza, at the time of speaking, ladies and gentlemen, Kamzat Chimaev is negative 595. Li Jingliang has gone down to plus 420. So yeah, do, that's with, even, what, do that's with that what you will. Like, even if you think the fight is going to go Chimaev, I think those odds are ridiculous. Oh, for I, a I return really fight? That's insane. Yeah. Well, let's start with the co-main event prediction. Hunter, Piryan, or Corey Sanhagen? Guys, this is a tough one. This is a tough one in all this. aspects of the word. I mean, every instinct in my body says to go with Peter Young because he is very, very good at what he does. He is a Terminator. We haven't really seen him hurt. But what I would like to remind everyone in this party is that when it came to him fighting Aljamain Sterling, there were two attacks that Aljamain Sterling threw and landed, and it looked like it did the most damage against uh, Peter Young. 
If anyone can answer it here, I would be surprised. But he landed two flying knees. Yep. Yeah. That actually clipped Peter Yawn and grazed him. And if you guys aren't familiar with Corey Sandhagen, this is the flying knee god right here. This guy knocked out Frankie Edgar cold with the flying knee. One of the one of the craziest knockouts I've seen, and let alone one of the craziest knockouts I've seen this year. I mean, it's just a fantastic knockout. So that is the only way I could see Corey Sandhagen win right now. I could see him kind of pivoting a little bit, throwing up a flying knee, and hurting Peter Yawn enough to get the stoppage. If that does not happen, Peter Yawn wins the fight. So just because this, the odds of that happening are a little bit slim, more slim than not, I'm going to go with Peter Yawn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is as tough a fight to call as we will ever have to call on this podcast. This is tougher than Sam Hagen Dillashaw, and that's statistically the closest fight we've ever had. My response is not going to be surprising to you guys, but I am back in Corey Sanhagen, and I'm going to tell you why I am. I still think he won the TJ Dillashaw fight, and I think if he'd have pressed home his advantage where he had him severely hurt at least four times, he'd have knocked him out. That's on Corey, not TJ. That's ancient history. We move on. My point is this, though. Pyotr Jan has faced a very particular type of bantamweight up until this point, He's faced a bantamweight that's his size, his reach, his ability. He's been even in nearly every aspect of his opponent that he's faced. You can wipe all of that to the side with Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen is five foot eleven for bantamweight. His reach is ridiculous. His skill is next level. His stand-up, I would make the argument, is the best at 135 pounds right now. His wrestling, criminally underrated too, escaped a vicious triangle and arm bar against Marlon Marais, I believe it was. I could be wrong, but I think it was Marlon Marais. Uh, no, but, it, it was, uh, I don't know his name, but it was like his second fight in the UFC. Yeah, whoever it was, it's, the name's not coming to me now, I do apologize, but whoever it was, it was vicious yeah. and it should have broken in his arm, but it didn't. Corey Sanhagen is unlike any bantamweight Piotr Jan has faced before, and he's unlike any bantamweight Piotr Jan will ever face again. Corey Sanhagen has every physical advantage coming into this fight. Even at the face-offs, the height advantage is enormous. The reach advantage is substantial. Corey Sanhagen knows how to use his weapons. His only issue is that he keeps backing up. If he's got that fixed, then I think he does. I think he could be the antidote to Piotr Jan that we've been looking for. The flying knees Hunter already mentioned, but what Hunter did not mention was the elbows, the punches, the clinch work. All of these facets in which Corey Sanhagen is murderously good. I think he bloodies up Jan, and I think he really, really hurts Piotr Jan. I'm seeing, I could see a broken nose. I could see a broken orbital bone. I think Corey Sanhagen's going to do some real damage. And Pyotrian has every chance of winning this fight because Pyotrian's the toughest 135er we've seen in a long time. But in order to use his power and his boxing skill, Pyotrian is going to have to leave himself extremely overexposed. And who uses that space? Who counteracts that space better than the Sandman? Nobody does. No one has the footwork speed right now. No one has the boxing speed right now to take advantage of that better than Corey Sanhagen. I think we see a third round knockout from the Sandman and New. Hey, all right. So we knew I knew you guys were going to disagree. 
Um, that's how the it right? Let's just call this one of those. That's, that, that's probably the that's probably the easiest thing you could have called this. That's the better than night right there. If you were gonna, be, yeah. <laughs> the odds for that were ridiculous. If you guys were gonna agree, yeah. Um, so this is interesting. I am fascinated for this fight. I am so excited for. It. I think it is the best fight on the card, and uh, arguably one of the best matchups we have seen the entire year. Uh, ah, man, it's so tough. Look, I am going, I am actually, I'm leaning heavily towards Pierre Young. Uh, and so before the, the fight, you know, we talked about this a while ago on the podcast. My reasoning was specifically for um, the fact that I haven't seen anyone challenge Pierre Young to an extent where I've seen him hurt or seen him in trouble. And until that day, I am not picking against Pierre Young. And I'm standing behind that, but I also have another reason. We saw Piotr Jan, Jan completely out-wrestle Aljamain Sterling, who Aljamain Sterling, his biggest asset is to try and get you to the ground and strangle you and submit you. Look, Sanhagen, we, it's absolutely improved his wrestling, but is it anywhere near where Piotr Jan is, is at? I don't think so. If Piotr Jan can slam Aljamain Sterling to the ground like eight or nine times, I think he can do that. Look, Sanhagen... Like he defended a bunch of takedowns, but he did get taken out a fair amount of times against TJ Dillashaw. And TJ Dillashaw is not known for his wrestling. Pyrion has like n- not as much as his striking. All right. Like with Dwayne Ludley or whatever, that, that's a secondary element. I'm not saying he's not great at wrestling. I'm just saying he's not known for it necessarily. Pyrion is, uh, along with his striking, known for his wrestling. And it's for a reason. I think if this fight goes to the ground, Sanhagen might be in, in deep, deep trouble. Uh, on the feet, I do actually give Sanhagen the advantage because of the knees and everything that Keelan said. Uh, the only thing I disagree with there is if it goes to the clinch. In that situation, I give Pilgrion, uh the, the, the favor as well. Although Sanhagen is good at it, um, I think that's where Sanhagen, or that's what I think that's where uh, Pyrion wants to be is in that clinch, those closed quarter situations. Uh, the only thing he has to look out for is the knee out of there. But if he can avoid the knee and implement his own game, that could be dangerous. That's what I think the X factor in this fight is, you know. Uh, I think Sanhagen is going to look phenomenal. I think he's going to come to fight. I think this fight will be close, and I think it will go to – actually, I don't think it will go to a decision. I think it will be a fifth-round uh, maybe submission or TKO for Pyrion. Um, But I think it's going to be very close. It's going to be back and forth. At the end of the day, I think maybe third round, Pyrion is going to make a transition in his game plan and go for the takedown. I think he gets the takedown and wears uh, Corey Sanhagen down and uh, gets the win. So that's why I think in the co-main event is Pyrion for me. Fair enough. I like it. I like the reasoning. Um, something just I, I forgot to mention about Peter Jan. He's very adaptable in the octagon. Yeah. You know, if, if we take a look at his last his last three fights, when he was fighting Jose Aldo, he was getting hit by some serious leg kicks. Like it was death, like deadly leg kicks that would crumble any man. He switched his stance up and started checking the kick in the third round. And right when he started doing that, that's when the tide started shifting towards Sanhay or, or uh, to Jan. When he fought um, Aljamain Sterling, Sterling was actually doing pretty good in the first round. You know, I have to give it to him. Like, he, his striking was very diverse, kind of like a Corey Sandhagen striking diverse. And he was landing with a lot of these strikes. But as soon as Jan started pulling up his boxing defensive stance like this, it mitigated a lot of the, the attacks that Aljamain Sterling tried throwing. And specifically to add at that, the elbows that he tried throwing yeah. and, the, and the regular just sidekicks it kind of neutralized them because you can't really land an elbow in a guard like this, you know, like this, you can't land an elbow. You can land stuff straight up the middle, like a knee, but 
don't get me wrong. That's what I think. The only reason Sandhagen could possibly win this fight right now, but just because I don't think Sandhagen's adaptive enough, and we saw this in the TJ Dillashaw fight, he didn't understand what he was doing wrong when he was getting taken down by TJ, and he wasn't really trying to stop the takedown either. And when he did try stopping it, it was too little too late in the last round. So for those reasons and many more, I still think Jan's going to win. Yeah, um, look, I'm a big, big big Corey Sandhagen fan and I'm not going to deny the points that have been made because the points that have been made are absolutely true the problem that I have with that argument is that Corey Sandhagen had all those issues you're absolutely correct he had all those issues and he still got to a point where I think he should have won a decision against one of the greatest bantamweights has ever been now consider a Corey Sandhagen that does know where he went wrong who does know the game plan and who does implement his own game plan. And I think you've got a totally different animal in there. I think Corey Sanhagen is going to come out firing. I think he's going to crack Piotr Jan early. And Piotr Jan has not faced power, I believe, on the level of Corey Sanhagen yet. Yes, he faced Jose Aldo. And yes, Jose Aldo landed all those shots. But this is not Jose Aldo at 145 all those years ago running through people. This is 34-year-old Jose Aldo. This is Jose Aldo who's probably lost 20 to 30% of his power. Still tough, but not king of 145 Aldo. Corey Sanhagen's got a lot of power behind his shots. He's quick. He's lucid in his movement. He does not stand still. He knows when to move and he knows when to throw. And Piotr Jan's got a totally different Rubik's Cube in front of him in there. He genuinely does. But that's what makes this fight so hard to predict because Piotr Jan has not faced an X factor like Corey Sanhagen before. He has not faced a size deficit like this before. And Corey Sanhagen, when he's got his head screwed on, knows how to use those deficits to his advantage. Again, you got to remember with Piotr Jan, he cannot have a high guard in this fight. He can't come out and just hold his hands up like this because Corey Sanhagen's a bit like the 135 Yuri Prohashka. He will throw elbows. He will throw knees. He will, he'll go into the tight clinch and he'll try and get it done. Pewter Jan has to come out and he has to engage early. He has to leave himself exposed. He can't play this safe. And that's exactly when the Sandman's that is most dangerous. I accept all your arguments. I'm not arguing those points because I can't argue them. But I am dying on the hill of Corey Sanhagen, and I think he's going to surprise both of you. Hey, I love it. I mean, and we're we're saying all this stuff, but this fight is so close. It's oh, it really phenomenal. is. Honestly, it's yeah. It's yeah. I I agree with basically everything you guys said, and I I cannot wait for it. It's going to be such a good fight on the card. And let's move on to the main event of the evening. By the way, we keep saying this, but how is this card free? This is ridiculous. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned oh. Makachev, Hooker, or, or Chimaev. I mean, this is ridiculous. Volkov. I'd pay 50 bucks for this fight. It's yeah. insane. It's ridiculous. So, main event time, Jan Blakovich, Glover Teixeira, Hunter, who wins the light heavyweight championship? Um, This one's not as close to the last one, but don't get me wrong. It's still a close fight. Yeah. Um, But I really do think Jan will keep it. I think Jan has been slept on for a while, but this is the first time people aren't going to sleep on him because his opponent's 42. I mean, when it comes down to it, Glover Teixeira, you guys heard me on the podcast before. You guys know what I think about Glover Teixeira. I think he's an anomaly in the light heavyweight division. I think he's one of the greatest to do it right now. And I really, I, what's unfolding right now at the scene, it looks like a Rocky Balboa movie. Like everything he comes out, he's saying, he's, he's saying quotes from Rocky Five. I mean, like this guy's, 
he's ready for a war, which I think given given credit, he's going to have a war. I think um, he's going to hurt Jan at some point. Jan's going to hurt him at one point. I think honestly, these are two of the best Brazilian. These are probably the two best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the light heavyweight division, both Jan and Glover. So I think Jan's never been having, I feel like Jan hasn't been on the receiving end of having to get ready for the threat of a takedown. He's always been the threat of the takedown. He's always been, I might bring you down to the ground. I might out wrestle you, or I might just knock you out with my Polish power. But with an opponent like Glover, now he has an extra thing to worry about. But when it comes down to it, I think Jan's going to be able to finish him. And I think he's going to be able to finish him fast because that is one of the greatest things in Jan's arsenal is just the ability to finish. And he's very precise when he gets excited. You know, when he lands those body kicks um, and follows up with those short left hooks and short right hooks, he almost rarely misses them. And we saw it in the Izzy fight. We saw it in the Dominic Reyes fight. He's very accurate when he throws. So when he does hurt Glover, I don't think Glover will be able to scramble well enough to get Jan to the ground and finish him. He might be able to do it once in the fight, but he won't be able to do it multiple times. And that's why I give Jan Blahovich and still the light heavyweight title. Yeah, this is a great, great fight. Uh, two veterans of our yeah. sport. You know, I think Jan Blahovich is 37 now. And I think Glover Teixeira is 42. So it's amazing to see two of the more elderly statesmen representing the light heavyweight division. And I can't think of two better veterans to do it than Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira. I think they're amazing ambassadors for the sport, and I think they will make an amazing fight. With Glover Teixeira, I get a real Donald Cerrone vibe about him, and that I really think this is the last cowboy showdown for him. You know, I think this is his last stab at this. This is his last dance. And if he doesn't get it, I just don't think he's ever going to get it. And on that basis, as a fan, I'd like to see him win it, even though I love Jan as well, solely because of that. But in terms of the fight itself, you know, I really like what Hunter just said there about Rocky Balboa, because I think that's exactly how Glover Teixeira's approached this. He's going to come out, he is going to leave everything there, and he's going to charge Jan Blachowicz. The problem is you don't want to get into a fight with someone whose nickname is Polish Power. You do not want to get into a street fight with a guy who can knock your head out of the ballpark. And Jan Blachowicz can do that, and Jan Blachowicz has done that. And if you come in anything less than 100% correct, that's what happens to you. Jan Blachowicz's hands are shotguns. And we saw that against Rockhold. We even saw that against Adesanya. You know, Adesanya took one good sharp left hook and he didn't want anything to do with the stand-up because he got, and I don't think he necessarily got hurt, but he got wobbled pretty badly. So how do I see this fight going? Honestly, I see it going pretty similar to how Hunter outlined it. I think Teixeira is going to go in pretty smooth. I think he's going to look for the scramble. I think he, he's going to get one off that's pretty good but I don't think he's going to get a second and I don't think he's going to get a third. I can see Glover Teixeira scrambling and I can see him getting his head knocked off. You know, I don't want to say it in such crass terms, but that's the only way I see this fight going. I see a short left hook just knocking Glover Teixeira unconscious and still. As a fan, though, I'd love to see Glover Teixeira win it just solely because I think he deserves it. But if we're talking in the real world and who's actually going to walk away with the gold, it's going to be Polish power for me. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to leave off by saying these are both two great guys. I mean, they're hanging out before the fight and everything, too. It's what you love to see in martial arts. Uh, and I'm with you guys. I think uh, Jan Blachowicz has more than proven uh, that he is the, the best light heavyweight on planet Earth right now after beating Israel Adesanya like that. It was so, so good. Um, his power is just different. I think that's the X factor in every fight, and especially for this one, the power is just different. Uh, I think Glover Teixeira is absolutely going to be in the right mindset, and he is deserving of the number one contender spot, and he has earned this title fight. He's not just here. They're not just giving it to him. He has worked his way up. He has got that number one next to his name. He has earned this title fight. But I say go look at his last two fights, and in both of those fights against Anthony Smith and against Tiago Santos, he almost gets knocked out in both of those. Like, he was rocked really bad, especially in the Thiago Santos one. But in X-Factor in both of those fights, he was facing guys that fade as the fight goes on and had poured everything out there and couldn't replicate that and also had vastly... He had greater, way, way better takedown ability and submission ability than both of those fighters that he did fight there in Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos. When he faces Jan Blakovich, not only is he going to be facing a guy with equal or greater power to those opponents, he's going to be facing a guy that is more than capable on the ground and has cardio to go all five rounds and finish all five rounds very strong, which is what is going to be the downfall of Glover Teixeira, I think. He's facing a complete fire. He's facing the champion, and the champion is Jan Blachowicz, and he's the champion for a reason. He's got that Polish power. I see the fight ending second round knockout, and I'll call it, I think it'll be an uppercut as well uh, against like that Alexander Gustafsson style, but it'll only take one, I think. Maybe he'll uh, a, a takedown attempt if Jan times it right, uppercut, and that might be it. Uh, just that power from Jan Blachowicz. I think he's going to be making a statement. He doesn't have to worry about the technique and precision from a guy like Israel Adesanya. The power is definitely still there from Glover Teixeira, but it's mainly going to be a submission and ground attack. If he can defend that, keep it on the feet. I have uh, Jan Blachowicz all day and still. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Jan's gas tank, just to finish a note here, yeah. Jan's gas tank is so criminally underrated, by the way. You know, everybody keeps saying Jan will fade, Jan will fade. Adesanya fight, everybody thought Jan would fade. Rockhold fight, everyone thought Jan would fade. Don't sleep on Jan's gas tank, because his gas tank is just far exceeding of your expectations. Yeah, hey, absolutely, absolutely. And what a great night of fights we have. Tonight, when this releases on Saturday, cannot wait. UFC 267 must watch. And this was a great podcast, guys. As always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify, as well as follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island and our website, MMAIsland.net. Also, real quick, big shout out to our sponsor, MyBookie. Go check them out. Thank you, everyone, again, so much for listening. Great podcast, guys. Watch the fights. Oh, my God.